podcast where we talk about things with one super special guest every week. Just sit back, relax, and hear us speak on This Is Happening, the podcast. Hey, welcome back to This Is Happening. Today we have a very special episode and we're going to blatantly promote a movie that I produced. Yay! What other reason do you have a podcast <laughs> than to do that? Um, you know, so how serendipitous. Doug, it's thrilling to be recording with you. In person. Yes. May I say to our listeners, <laughs> hello. <laughs> hello. Hello, everyone. It's so good to see you, Doug, as always. And it's we are to also, as a special treat, joined by Georgie Leahy. Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> I've Georgie, got s- you're rocking some sunglasses right yeah, now. Yeah, they cover my whole face. It's great. You're <laughs> welcome, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> And we are also joined by our guest, um, Mick Richards, who is the director of a new documentary that I am somewhat familiar with. I've watched it too many times. Once or twice. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> or maybe I pretended to watch it. But maybe I've never seen it. Maybe I'll see it for the first time tonight. I don't know. You, I'll you, see you, it for the second time tonight. I did give notes on it, so I did see it. I have seen it many times, actually, over the years. Mick mm-hmm. and I met. Over the phone, probably in the late nineties, I think. Yep. And uh, we, you know, he. Was I wasn't even born yet. <laughs> <laughs> he was working on the, the film then, um, and uh, we we talked about it, and you know, Mick wasn't nearly ready to let go of it, um, so we had to wait many years. Many many um, years. Yep. And you know, maybe two, three years ago. Um, we got back in touch, put together by my uncle John Morris, who um, has been a guest on the podcast and also had something to do with putting Woodstock together. And a host for most of us, in fact, at his beautiful home. Yes, recently yes. we were all there in, in, in Malibu at his lovely home. Um, and uh, so Mick, uh, so John reintroduced me to Mick and we started talking about the movie and I, I looked at, at where it was and, you know, and I said, you know, Mick, it's going to be the 50th anniversary in 2019. It's time to stop making this film yep. and get it ready to put out, uh, to, to release, um, which we did. And which it is, it thanks is to you. coming out. Well, yeah. Okay, is it ready? You. you can tell, you can tell <laughs> it's, us. It's as, you know, uh, somebody told me once, uh, there comes a time where you stop editing. Uh-huh. And yeah. Yeah, I stopped editing. I mean, I could, I could Not be. Not quite. You still are. Well, yeah. What do they? What do they always say that artists, artists, um, never finish simply abandoned? Like you just have to go. You have to walk. All right, away. you have to go. All yeah, right, like I'm done. Here you go. Yes. People right. just have to physically take it away from you and put it out in the world. Yeah. <laughs> and I and I needed somebody like you to to say this is this is what you got. This is where we should go, and this is what we're gonna do. And you know it. It worked. And but so the name of the documentary is... It's called Creating Woodstock, and Mick himself was at Woodstock. <gasps> as it shows teenager. you how old I am. You were there. I am old. He was there. Yep. yep. So he was there as a teenager. You were, what, 17? So 17 years old. Yeah. yeah. 1969. Where were you living? I was living in the basement of a head shop in Schenectady, New York. Oh, that's very head. Sh- <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and probably pungent. Yes, I no, mean, no, yeah, actually, I, actually. One of my questions for me was about the smell of Woodstock, but now I'd like to know about the smell of your home. No, yes. no, actually, it was it the was basement it was, of a head shop. Yeah, but it was pretty cool. I mean, okay. it, it yeah. was a nice, dry, and clean basement with con- with um, brick walls and everything, and. 
you know, we turned it into a little. I love a nice little brick wall inside. And you said it's connected. Um, yeah, okay. on on Erie Boulevard in Schenectady. It was a nice. head shop called the Ox. So you had already you'd uh, uh, run away from home. You're, uh, you're well, I was asked to run away from home. Kicked uh, <laughs> out, out of him. You're incorrigible. I was you're just like they, it was either padded walls like, or brick walls. You need to go. Put up with your shenanigans for way too long. Get out. Yeah, said, so how said, did you hear about the? the well, the, see, uh, the tickets and advertising, and you brought this up on last night's uh, last night's radio interview. Yes, uh, was done through the underground, underground newspapers. Um, head shops and, and things like that. So it just so happened that, you know, I got up Saturday morning and, and I was helping out for my room and board. I was helping out working in this head shop. Mm. And the owner came in and it was a young guy, young hippie like me. And he said, uh, he said, well, it doesn't look like there's going to be a whole lot of business today. I got these tickets to this concert. You want to go? I said, sure. Wow. So we went to the actual village of Woodstock. Yeah. We didn't know and, and got lost. Uh, and so, and somebody said, no, 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 way. no, 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 you want White Lake. It's about 60 miles south of here. And so we got a road map and got lost. And about two or three hours later, I forget, we pulled up and started saw, started seeing people walking. And so we parked the car and we walked crazy a couple of miles. Traffic well, but was we were coming Saturday down these Friday? dirt roads that you know weren't even on the map. They weren't coming well, from that the was city. a good See, way. They to were do coming it. from the from the north. Mm. North. So yeah. they so you weren't on the had the better route. No, no, we were seen. going down dirt roads they were and, local. and everything. And was else. it Saturday that you went? Or it was started? Saturday. Got yeah, there so, about because it had already started. Got there about two o'clock Saturday. Okay. And do you remember what you saw when you got there? I re. What the hell is his name? Uh, Whitehead, White House, Peter Whitehouse. He went one way, I went the other way, and then I realized after oh, you got I got separated from your friend immediately. Oh yeah, immediately. <laughs> and, and, See ya. And Thanks I realized, for the ticket. <laughs> I realized at that point that I didn't have any money, didn't have any food, didn't have anything with me because it, we, you know, because he was like, hey, let's go to this thing, and you, so, you, you were relying yeah. on him, and then he ditched you. Yeah. Immediately. Immediately, <laughs> which, which happened to me a lot in my childhood. You know? Oh, no. But, uh, and so I, I remember going up way in the back, there were concession stands. And I figured I'll volunteer to work in one of the concession stands, at least I'll be able to eat. And that's where I spent the festival, working at a little hot dog. I think we were selling hot dogs. Coke, Coke in cans was 15 cents and a hot dog was a quarter. I How think. many did you eat? <laughs> I know I'm hungry now. I, I don't remember, quite honestly. But you, but you were smart because the the they weren't set up uh, with the appropriate things to handle the crowds, right? No, like there was this concession stand, but there wasn't a lot more. They were uh, overwhelmed, you know. Yes. They, were, they were expecting maybe fifty thousand, and they got half a million. Um, so you know, as we've discussed with John on our podcast, and obviously as is discussed in the film. You know, it was just totally unexpected. Which you all need to watch the film. Yes, creating Woodstock, you can actually see it streaming on Amazon and Amazon. iTunes. <laughs> we love Amazon. In fact, today's podcast is, is sponsored by, by everything from A to Z. Thanks, Amazon. <laughs> yes, thanks. And thanks for carrying our film. We appreciate it. Um, it's also on DVD. You can get it at Best Buy. Blu-ray. Blu-ray, Blu wherever you get these yep. things, whatever whatever technology you might have. Yep. So there you are. You're working in the concession stand. Yeah. I, I love. I really admire how enterprising you are. <laughs> yeah. I, I would have gone there and I would have been like, oh shit. I would have been I'm like, people, help me, help yeah. me, help, help, I'm help. Sure. 
Help, help me, I'm and old. And you immediately got yourself a job. But you like, did well. see um, some music. Do, what what, yeah, what I, music I, did you see? I kind of remember Santana. Okay. Um, he's memorable. That is yeah, memorable. And, and what I do also remember is, is hearing some of Joe Cocker as this oh, as yes. these dark, dark clouds. Well, you all grew up in New York. You remember what upstate New York, well, New York thunderstorms are like. Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, you see these, this line of black clouds just coming in. And uh, I, I remember hearing Cocker and then seeing those storm clouds. I went, oh, my goodness, we're in for... You know, know. It's, it's funny that you mentioned that because you know, we, we were just together in uh, Bethel Woods, which is um, you know, the site of Yasgur's Farm, right. where Woodstock happened in 1969. Uh, the first public screening of the movie was there at the museum there, the Bethel Woods Center for the Arts. Um, and afterward, <laughs> we drove, Georgie was there as well, and Georgie I was and I there. Oh, the drove rain. back. I've to, joined Eric's family. To our, <laughs> we drove back to my dad's house, and um, after a dinner, my, you know, my dad put together a very lovely dinner at his country club and invited like a lot of our friends. It was very sweet and very good. It loving. was beautiful. And he gave a lovely toast, and it was, it was just very nice. Um, so a lot of people that I knew, you know, from growing up, came to see the movie there, and um, that was special. But you know, as we were like, you know, relaxing on the deck afterwards, there was this crazy thunder and lightning yeah. storm. Yep. And you know, we just were kind of enjoying. We it. loved it. We were lying there <laughs> and we were like just staring at this. It was just so beautiful, and there wasn't that much rain. It was just but thunder and violence. lightning. And it but it's beautiful. It was yeah. violent, but it was beautiful. And then it started. It then it started the to. So it then, yeah, and, and then it started to piss down. So it was raining a lot. So we were like, oh, we have to go back inside. So we went upstairs, but we were like, oh, we still want to be part of the thunderstorm. So Eric goes, oh, oh don't worry, <laughs> I'll, I'll open a window. So he opens I the window. I didn't realize there were storm windows. Like he didn't realize. He I didn't realize <laughs> that the window does not open. So I unlatched he... something, and then the window went crashing <laughs> down and shattered on the deck. Oh, oh, I'll have to take care of that tomorrow morning. Sorry, so, sorry, daddy. Sorry, daddy. Yeah. Apologies. I have broken your home. Sadly, though, back in nineteen, you break people and homes. Woodstock, there weren't storm windows, and the crowd <laughs> had to deal with the weather in real time. Well, it's very reminiscent of. Mm -hmm. What we talk about, you know, what you know is talked about in mixed film, and you know, especially um, in John's interview, John Morris, right. you know, because he was kind of doing the announcements from the stage, and there, you know, right after Joe Cocker's performance, I gather there were these storm clouds, and they realized that if there was lightning, there were these um, metal towers in the middle of the field that had follow spots and heavy equipment on them. That you know, because they had so little time, they hadn't fully anchored these things down, and, and people were towers, yeah. were climbing up on the scaffolding to get a better view of the concert. And he, was, you know, everyone was very concerned, and so he, in the middle of a thunder, lightning storm, and rain, in the you know, on a stage that was it could be electrified, you know, by you know, lightning if it had hit the stage, um, he was kind of talking people down from the towers, asking people to move away. And kept people safe. I mean, it, it really, there were so many serendipitous I do, things. I do think, down. and obviously I wasn't there, and but from like meeting all these amazing humans that created Woodstock and were part of it and part of the movie and everything, I feel like I haven't met, I, like, I have a lot of terrible humans that walk in and out of my life. <laughs> and um, um, 
with this whole world that I've been welcomed into, thank you everyone, um, everyone is so kind and so nice and so about the music and the love and the peace. I think there was, there was just like this force of nature that just like made sure that everyone would be safe for it. That like gives me goosebumps as you were talking about earlier, but it really felt like it was this, this magical occurrence well, but that occurred and that it, saved it's, everyone. It's funny, it didn't... From any drama. It, it, it occurred, but it didn't just occur. Obviously, and, and, yeah. And it, when you watch the film, uh, there, are two, there are two things that are talked about. The fact that it was very well planned and it was very well planned. And I've said this a million times, you had the finest production talent on either coast working on, yeah. the, working on this production. Uh, I mean, Mel Lawrence had done Magic Mountain, Monterey Pop, um, the second first annual Miami Pop Festival in December of 68. And John, your Uncle John, you know, had run the Fillmore and, and everything. You had some really powerfully talented producers doing this. And it was set up, it was set up to be peaceful. The framework was set, the, the, and I've said that the grounds were groomed to make people feel peaceful and at ease. They wanted them to come and have a good time. But in the film, John also, John Morris also kind contradicts that. He says it wasn't a plan; it was an accident. Well, yeah, they had planned everything, but the accident of the guru showing up yeah. on Friday, uh, and and you see it in the film and talking to the crowd about peace and, and love and everything else. There was an overarching philosophy, I yes. think, that you know, yeah. stemmed from the, the four partners in Woodstock Ventures. That, you know, they kind of came together like, let's do this concert, let's, what they called it, an Aquarian exhibition, exhibition uh, yep. a celebration of peace and music. Yep. And, then, and the people that they brought in shared that vision and you know their their head of security, who I think you said was part of the Nixon administration. Nixon, yeah, he was he was in the Justice Department of the Nixon really? administration. Um, you couldn't get a straighter a straighter shitter than what's wrong. That's who that's who handled this. Yeah, he said in the film, you know, um, from the very beginning, it was it was meant to be non-confrontational. Exactly, and they you know they brought in this group called the Hog Farm. Run by Wavy Gravy, Tom you know, Law, and, and, they, and, and, and John Law <laughs> and Lisa Law, you know, who were kind of also implementing security, but they ended up, you know, sourcing food and you know going into the town and getting more food because like they were overwhelmed with things, and you know it just was uh, everyone kind of got on board, and John from the stage was saying to people, you know, as as he announced, you know, it's a free concert from now on, and the the investors in this thing are going to take a bath because, you know, they didn't get the ticket. Well, everybody was boots. walking in through holes in the fences. They didn't find a way to. They never the them. Did your friend pay for those eighteen dollar tickets? Yeah, he, I'm sure he did. Because if he, he had said, tickets, I have tickets, you owe him. But but, but they bucks. were but they were selling the tickets to the, <laughs> to the head shop, so chances are they were just left over. Oh, oh, so, so he had comps. Yeah. Yeah. You made, you I owe him eighteen plus interest. <laughs> I think he's dead. I was gonna say the interest. I would imagine the estate. Oh, this is. Well, it be like twenty-two dollars by now. Well, do I have to account for? Do I have to account for you know inflation and and the yeah definitely inflation. How many hot dogs you? Actually, it's a funny thing when 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 Eric and I last weekend were talking to Bill Belmont, who who John Morris brought in the book, the bands. When they when they finally got Hendrix to the site, and that's an interesting story altogether. Jimi Hendrix 
borrowed $20 to pay these two kids who had driven them to the site from Bill Belmont. And who was it? Oh, it was uh, our, our executive producer, Paul Berry, actually did the calculation, and, and the ride was $140. 140 yeah, yeah. I, I looked, I, we actually looked that up. One of, one of your investors... Um, actually looked it up while we were sitting there and we found out about the $20. He looked it up on his phone and we were like, oh, $138. Yeah. And look how music festivals are so different now. I mean, let's admittedly though, Woodstock was a for-profit venture originally. It was meant to be. That that was the plan. Yeah, people invested in it and they were expecting to make money. Look how the people at Coachella have certainly learned from from you know the experiences that people had from Woodstock and other festivals and maybe the fire festival but where you know they are, oh, the so, they are so organized and trapped and you have to pay for everything the wristband as well yeah, yeah the yeah. wristband like they can track it really you. obviously started something Woodstock I mean like the fact that it became such a phenomenon and half a million people showed up to the festival and another, you know, mi- more than a million people were trying to get in right. in the surrounding neighborhoods. Did you know, like, while you were there, sort of, how, so, okay, going back to your... But didn't place, you, did you, you there, see that it was an overwhelming a number of people? Were you, were you yeah. there the whole time? Or no, I was there one day. One day? Yeah. So you didn't sleep there? Yeah, I, I slept under a trailer. Up in the back, there were, if you see some of the aerial, aerial photographs, you'll see... The concession stands way up on the top of the hill, and then in the back there's some tractor trailers lined up, and I went and slept under one of the And trailers. then how did you get home? Wait, I'm not ready to, for home okay. yet. I have a <laughs> lot that happens between I lost my friend, getting a job, selling yeah, hot no, dogs, you're right, you're right. No, I'm interested. Now, Mick, <laughs> where did you... I, I'm really going to disappoint you, but go Where'd ahead. you pee? I don't remember. Where'd you poop? <laughs> it sounds like Chipmunk. Well, where, they, did you, where did you eat? Where did you they, sleep? They had porta potties, and they got they, they got several. Maybe five thousand. They probably could have used twenty five thousand. But they did had, you not take medic? You were seventeen. You don't take medication. No, I, I, I'm I, thinking. Where? Well, did I bring my pills? Did I bring my denture cream? Like all these kinds of things. Well, because you're a retiree. Well, because I'm an old lady. <laughs> so you had no money. You were. Uh, smart enough to get yourself fed. You fell asleep in a trailer. No, so underneath it. Underneath. So then you woke. Okay, so now you enjoyed the, the one day you were there. Did you have to get back to Schenectady? Back to the basement? Yeah, I, 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 I mean, it was miserable. After the rain, it was miserable. It was miserable. Yeah, and and as as uh, uh, Henry Dilt says and Mel Lawrence says, there was this tremendous stench, and there was. Aha. And it, I'm it curious just, about the smell. I met, well, I met, I met someone... Um, uh, in Sneeder's Landing that said that he went one of one of your family crew mm-hmm. sorry I can't remember your name um, but he said he was like yeah I went he was like and I, I had to leave he was like the stench was ridiculous <laughs> but for me I got like I didn't grow up with Coachella fashionistas you know Instagram in their, their their festival experience I grew up with like going to festivals where it's all about music you've got your wellies on you've got mud in your ears you don't give a shit about like uh, the, the smell or like where you pee well, or whatever you're there did. for the, the, yeah. the music and that's what it's did. still like in England you I, know, we well, have the, the muddy fest 94 which was put on also by the people in Woodstock Ventures Michael Lang and Joel Rosamond and uh, whoever else Lee was Bloomer. part of it Lee Bloomer was she uh, was definitely out. working yep. there she, she got me tickets um yep. And uh, I mean, I had the benefit of being in the Polygram hospitality tent, 
uh, for much of the oh, time. Oh, this doesn't it's, sound it's, it's, it's like but, well, <laughs> but but the, but rain and mud is very equalizing. Like you can't the backstage front of that. You know, it's still like muddy and wet. You're just in it, and, yeah. And I was there to see the bands it for was the amazing. music, like, exactly. Nine Inch Nails performed, and and Metallica performed, and Aerosmith. Uh, Yes, Aerosmith. Uh, late, late at night or midnight. David yeah. uh, Tyler, I love you. I had such a great time. I loved it. Um, I was at Tanglewood once for the Boston Symphony <laughs> Orchestra, and I spilled rosé on my legs. It was a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I missed that caller. I missed that We should be talking about your experiences then instead of mine, because yours seemed to be a little bit more interesting. <laughs> Hardly. It's just the way he says it. Yeah, exactly. That's why it was was a rose. (coughs) How good could the story be if it involved rose? I know. Um, Okay, so then how did you get back to connect? You lost your friend. I ran into your ride. Yeah, I ran into a couple of guys that that were leaving. You knew? No, I just ran into different times. Oh, you were just like different times. He was like, "Hey, I'd like to leave. Can I go with you?" Help me. I don't remember. All I remember is a couple of guys lived in Glens Falls. And they were they were leaving because they had had enough as well. And I said, "Can I bum a ride?" They said, "Yeah." So that was you know three right. or four hours later. I was um, you made it. Yeah. And had your was your, did your friend stay the one no. from the head shop? He was still. There. I I have never seen him again. Never I was just about to ask him if he's still your again? friend. No, You've never seen there. him again. He's still. I went home. Okay, uh, so no. I thought that he had something to do with the head shop. This was just some random person that you... No, he, like, he owned the head shop. But I, uh, to this day, I mean, the head shop closed... Oh, you didn't go back to the No, basement? I went home. I, I went home and, and I walked in... Okay, did you so what was... What, clothes in your brick-roomed basement? What was his head name head again? What was, his, na- what was his name again? Uh, um, Whitehead? Whitehouse? What? Whitehead? I don't well, well, okay, well, if you're listening to this podcast... Oh, Perhaps <laughs> you're now in Indonesia... <laughs> Say to you, come back home to the head shop. So you okay? So you had the <laughs> in the basement. Yeah. Then you went to Woodstock, and you're like, I won't live in this basement anymore. No, I just, I just, <laughs> I figured I'd go home and see if I, you know, it's see if I could make it work. I'm sensing I a fear see. of commitment. With you, Nick. You, 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 I've been married forty. I've been married forty-five years to that lovely woman sitting next That's to you. So, one. so don't, so don't talk to me commitment. about commitment. Well, no, and then later, forty-five we years, the the Merchant Marines or something. Some, some. No, I was. Are the, I joined oh, the, the actual. Marines. I joined the Navy with the Navy. Line. I'm sorry, I don't yeah. know much about the military. But um, well, okay, so I, I, I'm, this is because I've never met somebody who was at Woodstock. You're, you're, you're just well, like you've, you've you're just like John. this. You know, you won't let go of this, no, will no, you? No, because well, you, this is why we're, we're it's, talking it's very, to you. This it's is the very point of the podcast. <laughs> making a film about this, so it had no, a, a he's big so, impact. No, it didn't. It's not interesting. It, it, okay, okay, one last question. I'm, I'm the least in- interesting person you've ever met. Oh, my God. Stop it. No, no, seriously. You're at this thing. You, you hate Are it. Are you English? Self-deprecating. Did you know when you left, right? You're on to the next place. Did you say, wow, that's something people will talk about nope. for a long time? You were like, that was the lamest ass, smelly, bad. I, I just know. I mean, interestingly, interestingly, later, years and years later, um, you know, they, uh, Mix and Carmela's son was learning about Woodstock in school as a elementary school. Kid no, or something, no, or his, his, his teacher, yeah. his high school teacher was there all four days. He had, his name was Mike Wood. He really? actually appears in the film. He's, okay. he's one of the guys that and talks about Richie Havens. 
And he was there all four days. As a matter of fact, if you look in Wadley's film, they're shooting over Hendrix's shoulder, and there's Mike in the, in the crowd watching Hendrix on wow. Monday morning. He talked about Woodstock a lot, and Ian came home one day, our son Ian came home and said, you know, Dad, you were at Woodstock. What, you know, what, what's the deal? What was it about? And because it was so, such an uneventful you know, time for me, I, I didn't know. I went out and I got uh, John and Joel's uh, book, Young Men with Unlimited Capital, and started reading it and realized what an intriguing story it was. And, and how it I, came to be. And, and how that. it came and to be. the people that put it together. Yeah. And, and, I mean, we're sitting in Hollywood and, you know, surrounded by some actors and a producer and Ryan. <laughs> and both an actor and a producer. Both an both actor right. and a producer. Yeah, and and you, you, know a, you know a good Hollywood story when you see it. You have an antagonist, you have a protagonist, you have a time element involved in it. You've got drama, you've got comedy. And this story has all those and things. And weather. And weather. And weather. But this story has all of it. Mm -hmm. and, and I just, I said to Carmela one day, my wife, I said, you know, this would make a great documentary. And she said, yeah, well, go ahead and do it. And <laughs> She's to blame. Thank I, you, thank you. And I just, I just took a leap of faith and, you know, started making some phone calls and got shot down a couple of times. Yeah, talk about that process. So, so there was resistance at first? There was resistance from a couple of the people I called who will remain nameless at this point. And then I finally got they a hold of. They regret it now. I fairly, I finally got a hold of John Roberts, who was one of the four producers, and uh, he was in New York City. And I told him who I was, what I wanted to do, and he said, "Come on down." And we sat with him for about an hour. And after the interview, he said, "Have you spoken with Joel, his partner?" And I said, "No, I haven't." Gave me his number, and then and Eric's probably sick of hearing all this, but it just kind of went out from there. Every, it was very every, organic, and the people yeah, that put Woodstock together, um, you know, I, you must have made a good impression on them because each, you know, to a person after you interviewed them, they were like, "Well, you should talk to this person." Have right. you spoken to John Morris? Have you spoken to Mel Lawrence? And they just they would give you, you know, contacts, and one interview led to another, yep. and over the course of twenty-seven years, you, um, you know, put this movie together, and 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 in collaboration with the people that did Woodstock. Which I think is very cool. I mean, because they, you know, like you said, there was some resistance, but I think once you started to meet with like a consensus, uh, you know, or like the majority of people, then I think everyone wanted to get involved, who was I, significantly instrumental in putting it together. I agree, and I, I think what happened was they realized that I was, I, wa I was interested in their stories, mm -hmm. and I wanted to tell their stories. And, you know, you're a wonderful producer. And, you know, when you do documentaries, you don't want to inject your own editorial beliefs. And uh, Especially I, yours, because they were miserable. Well, they weren't miserable. They just, <laughs> but, but well, you know. But no, that, that, and that's, I think, one of the, one of the real strengths of, of Mick's work here is, like, you know, he doesn't have an agenda. You know, he really, you know, gets in front of someone asks, you know, interesting questions that maybe people wouldn't, you know, think about and gets people to tell stories that sometimes they haven't told about before or they remember something new. Um, and, um, and it's just really, you know, like, it's people's perspective of memory about what, of what happened there. And, you know, there's a very famous documentary that Michael Wadley made called Woodstock, which won Best uh, documentary Oscar in 1970, 1970 yeah. 
which is a concert film. It's it's three and almost four hours long. Um, covers all you know. Really, it, they call it three days, but it was kind of four days of music. The you know it's the highlights, the highs and lows of the of the concert. But it doesn't have that much about like who the people were that put it together mm -hmm. and how it came together, which is I think where this film fits in. It's a nice companion piece to that. It just oh, tells you the, the, the backstory, which is fascinating. There's a lot of fascinating stories about how and why Woodstock came together and almost didn't and, you know, of all the serendipity and, you know, good fortune and disasters that, you know, that happened over the course of that. And when you and I started talking about this, um, Eric, you, we, we primarily said, well, you know, how was, somebody asked us once, how is it different from Wadley's film? And Eric said, well, Wadley's film talks, uh, talks about Woodstock from the stage looking out mm. to the crowd. Ours is from the stage looking back. Mm -hmm. Starting the nine months before Woodstock in, in February of 69 when the partners met, all the trials and tribulations that got them to Yasger's farm, and then, and then the things afterwards that happened, and uh, and the yeah, fact it's that truly it, behind the scenes. And I think you know one of our taglines is like you know here's how it really happened. Yeah, or something mm -hmm. this is how it really because and it has been myth mythologized. I have trouble with that word, but it has been mythologized over the last fifty years. And one of the thing that I think is important to both of us, Eric, is the fact that the truth is told. There's been a there's been a narrative that's been out there, um, perpetuated out there for the last fifty years that is pretty much a false narrative, and I think what we have done is we have clarified. Uh, we set the record straight. Yeah, we I set mean, the record there, straight. There, Thank there are, you. Yeah. There are people, you know, who have wanted to take you know full entire credit for what Woodstock was and how it came together. I walked back all those comments <laughs> I made. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You I gotta know. let we, it go at this point. You're, Stop. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely he said right. sorry. But um, <laughs> but no, and I I think that you know the truth is like anything like this. It was like you know coming together of an amazingly you know accomplished, talented group of people. Um, there's lots of credit to go around. It wasn't one person's right. uh, vision. It wasn't one person's execution. Yep. Um, and it's not and, a success or a failure because of one person. It's, right. It is. It, it, it became a phenomenon, yeah. and part it's of the icon, reason, it's iconic. Part, and part of the reason for that is the concert film. That's how a lot of people that weren't physically there know about it. But it was, you know, just a legendary performances and and acts, and um, and it was really kind of like the culmination and nearly end of this era. I mean, you know, Janis Joplin performed there, uh, Jimi Hendrix performed there. Neither of them lived that much longer after Woodstock. Um, you know, uh, Santana had a career-launching, brilliant set. You know, Joe um, that launched his career. Joe Cocker launched his career. Uh, Shana Na got a got a television show. Out of I it. was so surprised. I'm sorry, I was reading the lineup. I was so surprised about Shana Na <laughs> because for me, Shana Na. Was always sort of a slightly cheesy. Right, they became kind of like a Donnie and Marie type yeah. variety so show. Like thing. if, like in the game of one of these things is not like the other, Shah Nana <laughs> does not fit <laughs> in with the other act. I was, I was flummoxed, stymied, stopped in my tracks, and I thought it must be a typo. 
No. So are you telling me they were there? That Shanana was a cool group. No, Shanana was. I don't know who Shah Nana is. Because it's so, it is so foreign to me. I mean, well, I, but, 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 but you're not. They, a cool group. You, but it they was. They were a different group. They, before they, like you said, they got a television deal out of it, and they were made into more, more of a cheesy like. Oh, were they? Gong were they show before as, I would have known. Yeah, like, in the '60s, they were different. It was a kind of a different lineup. Well, too. I really. They, they were. No, go, go ahead. No, no, no. What I really love so much uh, was. The fact that there, because of the traffic jams, and they didn't know there was going to be this many people, and there was all this grabbing amazing musicians <laughs> out of the crowd and putting them on stage right. was just like such you a, got a tambourine. Big, can't wait, wait, no, you can't leave the stage now. We haven't got anyone else to perform I mean, right now because they haven't the, made it yeah. to Woodstock. Yeah, really good stories. I love it, all and, that. You know, um, you, you interviewed uh, Richie Havens, who's you know, yes, not he, with he, us he, anymore, but also love uh, you. John Morris about that experience, like. You know, no one could get there, and Richie Havens was there with some of his band, not all, not his whole band. They just, you know, like you've got to go perform now. He wasn't supposed to perform for hours. The bass player was stuck in traffic, so he, he's like, okay. And so then he performed. <laughs> no bass for you guys. <laughs> he performed basically every song he knew because they. John kept sending him back out, saying like, you know, we, we have no one else. You got to go back. No, so you're not leaving yet. Finally, I'll perform it again in Sanskrit. Finally, he went <laughs> out and made up a song which became one of his biggest hits. It's called Freedom. Yeah. And he just started singing the word freedom. And because he said he said that he looked out at the crowd. That's what he felt. And that's what he felt. Was freedom. Which gives me the goosebumps. So you say it's it a gorgeous song. And but it's a beautiful it's song. And that's, and he just that's all he could, spot. yeah. And when you listen, when you, when you watch the film, watch our film, Eric and me, and you know, the others who, who helped put it together, Kristen and so on. You'll you'll see when he talks about it, it really was something special to him. You know, he says, I, I, I just started singing freedom because that's what I was feeling at the time. Yeah. He says, just, I just started singing freedom. And, uh, and Eric's right, it was, you know, it was a very special moment for him and for the crowd and and it, and it kind of set the tone from that point on. And then your Uncle John says, uh, and then there was the, the accident of the guru showing up and me saying somebody wanted the guru to go on. And John thinking, I, have an, I don't have any acts. <laughs> Let's put them on. Yeah. Yeah. And, they, and that was also obviously very calming and yep. peaceful. And, and the crowd was really into it. And it helped set the tone for, yep. for, the, for the event. Yep. Sweetwater um, went on right after... Sweetwater went on right after um, uh, Richie, and then they put the guru up. And it, the funny thing you and I talked about last night after dinner was um, Tim Harden was supposed to, Tim Harden, the folk singer, was supposed to open the, the show. But Tim was so high or so he was tripping or something that Richie says that I knew immediately Tim Harden wasn't going on. I mean, that was a lot, like a, a big factor with what was going on, <laughs> yeah. getting people on stage. You know, Arlo Guthrie is also yeah. in our film and tells yeah. a similar story in that, you know, he was told all of a sudden, like, all right, we, you got to go on next. He's like, I got to go on now? He was stoned. He's like, I can't go perform now. I can't even walk right now. <laughs> he, <laughs> was, he was so stoned. He, stoned. You know, oh, my God. But he went on tripping. and he played. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot of, I mean, Santana talks about having, he was also tripping. He was supposed to be tripping. <laughs> it was interesting for me also reading about who said no. 
you know, who passed on the festival, even people who lived really close, and, and people who wanted to perform, but their invitations were revoked. I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, I mean... Young uh, unknown called James they, they Taylor won. had his invitation revoked. They won no in, way. Um, yeah. They wanted uh, Bob Dylan, um, and, and that's actually kind of the, the impetus of, of the concert at all. Like, right. they put in their, um, you know, when they, when they were trying to do a, 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 sh a, a concert in Woodstock, um, that you know the the origin of, of the festival was, uh, you know, to uh, Michael Lang and and Artie Kornfeld wanting to do uh, um, a record studio in Woodstock, partially because people like Tim Harden and John Sebastian and Dylan, uh, Dylan Joplin lived in yeah. in and around Woodstock, yep. and so like and like because of these people, you know, who live around here. Maybe we you know we could raise you know do a little fundraiser with a con with a concert, and the you know the investors Joel and John who produced the show with them ultimately saw this and said well I don't know about this um, in the middle of the woods um, record you know um, recording studio because they already had one in Manhattan so like, I don't know if we want to invest in that but this concert if Dylan or you know John Sebastian like let's let's do that and. We could build a recording studio with the profits. Well, there, as it turned out, there weren't any profits. There were no. But, it was a free um, concert. For, it, it turned out to be a free concert, and thankfully for the movie, which is why a lot of people know about it, they had a stake in the movie. And then over the next ten years, the Warner Brothers movie earned enough money so that they did go into profit and. Which will happen still. to you, Mick. Exactly, it's happening. I'll be dead. Wait, I'll be dead. My, 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 my wife and my kids will be dead. I have a question. That documentary was a joke. What is your question? So, so, it's called Woodstock. Yeah. But it wasn't at Woodstock. No. So where did the name come from? What was, why did you, why was well, it called Woodstock? because it was supposed to be held in Woodstock. And oh, it okay. Woodstock when it was conceived, yes. yeah, no. when it was conceived, you know, the idea up. was, so they started putting, like, they started posters and messaging and ads and underground papers and stuff like that, and then they, but they didn't ever get a site in Woodstock, but the name stuck, so it wasn't called, like, I like the Woodstock. It ended up going to this town called Wallkill, and then Wallkill drummed them out of there because they want a bunch of hippies coming I, to I town. saw, I've seen the movie. I was just this asking has, this question this for the viewers, it been called the listeners. Would it have been as legendary if it was called Bethel? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. It sounds posh. It sounds Very posh. Errorara Bethel. Panama hats. Panama hats are made in Ecuador. So just because it's called Woodstock, doesn't mean My dress is... Made well, in China, and, but and I'm bet, wearing it here I in Los Angeles. I bet you're not the only person. You, you know, you, you, someone said, you know, I have a ticket to Woodstock, so you naturally go to Woodstock. Yeah. And people are like, uh, there, was there a bunch here. of stranded <laughs> people <laughs> in Woodstock? To you and me once in Italy. <laughs> Eric and I had <laughs> reservations. Umbria. Sorry, listeners, it was just a slight small tangent. <laughs> Eric and I were <laughs> in Umbria as we were to find themselves. And all of our friends decided to go to Florence because they want to go shopping. That's where I'm going. Eric and I read about a Michelin-starred restaurant very close to where we were staying. So this was, of course, pre-interweb days. And we made a phone call to a friend of mine in New York. And I said, go to the magazine stand. Get this magazine. Find out which is the restaurant in Italy we want to go. Then call and make a reservation for us. And we'll call you back. So she we did called her back and she so said, lovely. you have an eight o'clock reservation at such and such restaurant and the town was Baschi. So we wrote it down, B-A-S-C-H-I. We wrote it down. We got into our car that evening.
thinking, and we drove to Basque. But the it's restaurant like, isn't How hard could it be to find? It's a tiny little town in Italy. And I'm sure we'll see some lovely restaurant. That'll be it. We walked around this town, hungered. We walked into a pizzeria. I put on a cashmere sweater in the restroom of this pizzeria. We were like, dusty. Let's try to dress up a little bit. But of course, the restaurant wasn't in the actual town. It was about 20 minutes away. It was on a lake outside of Bosque, but we didn't know that. They had footmen. And you know what the important thing is, listeners? When you are offered a prefix meal, don't go for the most expensive one automatically. We preferred the second most expensive one, and we ate tomato ice cream and squab. It was one Tomato of the best ice cream. Yeah, it, was, it was one of the best meals I've ever it had. Was. It was. And this, this segment is brought to you by the, the oh, Italian, Italian. <laughs> Travel <laughs> Tourist and Travel Society. You're catching on so well. I'm so <laughs> proud. Do you, remember, Do you remember the name of the restaurant? I, I remember. shall remember. I remember the town it's of Basel. I want you to remember because I'm going to be there in two weeks and I want to go. Yeah. To talk about Florence, the uh, bracelet my wife is wearing came from the Ponte Vecchio. The Ponte Vecchio. Oh, the old bridge. We now, if you do the, um, <laughs> the corridor, what it's called, the, the Vasari Corridor. Do you know about the Vasari Corridor? No. The Vasari Corridor, oh, this is beautiful. Listeners, I'm it. looking and stealing this beautiful golden <laughs> present. I'm going to get it first. Gold, of course, uh, all the, the gold stores are on the Ponte Vecchio. Right. But in Florence, in Florence <laughs> the uh, Medici's, they have the uh, palace. Andiamo, andiamo. So there's a, a, a walkway, a hidden Where did your accent go? Called the Vasari Corridor, and it's about a mile long, and it goes from the Uffizi to the Medici Palace. There it is. And it was for the royals to walk without having to deal with the public. And this corridor is lined with priceless art, and only recently have they opened it to the public. Listeners, make sure you make a reservazione, a reservation to do, and it's a guided tour, and it is unbelievable. Can you, can you tell me where it is? Because I'm writing it down, because I'm going to be there. And so when I was in Florence, it wasn't open because it was it's closed for restoration. They've just reopened it in 2019. Perfect. So you can. So, so where am I going? Sorry, V A S A R I. V A S. And once I again, brought to you by the Uffizi Turismo. We didn't plug the movie this hard. The Italian Tourists and Travel Association. No, I know we have. So you don't say the movie. You say and our film, comma, and then you say. I know, I know. We we have been promoting creating this stuff, but what I'd like to do also is talk a little bit more about. You know, makes uh, the rest of Mick's career. I mean, you're, you. Oh, this is not the only thing you've it's, done. It's, you it's as uninteresting as the. Headshot to Woodstock to well, this film. Well, what happened? You got married 45 years. What else? Because I, I know you were, you know, you, you did some television writing. You were out here doing some work for Paramount and interacting with Star Trek The Next Generation and those things. But how did you end up working in, like, sports films and live sports and things? There, there's a... There's a good friend of ours named Jeff Whitson, who who uh, was the general manager of a uh, local Fox affiliate in uh, Schenectady, and I, I worked for Jeff, a lovely man, and he he moved to he took a job in Jacksonville, and he uh, they got the station got hooked up with the Jaguars, and they needed a uh, producer to do. What uh, are the Jaguars? Jacksonville j- football. It's a oh, sport so in America. I you meant the car. Bunch of guys get on one side of a ball. A bunch of guy, other guys get on the other well, side of a ball. The they ball. they fight for the ball. Because of the tight 
Wait, wait, do you mean do you, do you mean the real football or your American no, version? American football. Oh, American football. Don't know what that is. Why is it called football when the foot barely ever? Okay, sorry. But anyway, he needed a he needed a producer for um, a lot of the Jaguars um, in-house production and and things like that, and he gave me a call and offered me the job and. Because you had been said, doing yeah. what before? I was I was doing commercial uh, commercial industrial. Yeah. So, so you, had, you you were producing you were, and directing commercials. No, it's um, I mean I've worked with I worked with a company actually out here in, in Los Angeles, but they had uh, this company had offices literally around the world, mm -hmm. and I forget it, it was a long time ago, but I got on an airplane and didn't go off the airplane for two weeks, and I went from Albany to South Africa to the, the UA to uh, Borneo. Uh, Shooting what? Doing what? Uh, just just, just commercial. I mean, uh, when I was in Cape Town, South Africa, I was working with a, um, a, a vineyard out there. And then Stellenbosch, probably. Yeah, it was. Yeah, Stellenbosch. Yeah, yeah. thank I've, you. I've been to Cape Town and that wine country. That whole area is I saw the bachelor out there. Uh, yes, actually, Georgie has been famously photographed in um, yep. films. Maybe not photographed. Wine from said he forgot, and that's about it. I, I had some. I had a bit too much wine on that show. Yes. Shocking. Shocking. Okay. Really? <laughs> so you were you were already sort of in the industry. No, I just I did commercial commercial work, industrial work. They call it. Um, you know, training things and promotional oh, Doug, marketing and so on. Doug has you done. Sort of look it, doesn't it? Nick does look the part. Doug, Doug what? has done industrials. One and one is one is one, one sure. Yeah, but you you it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, just looking at you visually, that you were sort of in that era, that world. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know. I think it's it's a it's a it's, it's a just thing. a thing, right? It's just a thing. If you said to me you were an eye surgeon, I would say really. Because you don't look like the type of fellow who should be wearing scrubs. I only think eye surgeons, I think of Tom Selleck because of Friends. Oh, because of Friends. <laughs> oh. Which you were in, Doug, weren't you? I certainly was. Yes. And Matthew Perry is selling his home for $35 million. Did you want okay, I'll um, buy it. Fine. All right, fine. I mean, there's a, there's, a line in, there's a line in Casablanca where they um, somebody asks Rick about... Captain Renault, and uh -huh. he says he's just an average man, only more so. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, there you go. That's I like me. It. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's a good... That, you can use it. That should be on your your, your resume. Well, and you... Um, okay, so creating Woodstock is but out. It, but well, it, 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 it took finish. you. It took well, you. Thank you. It really yes, did. Eric. It took you to get, me, to get me <laughs> from here to here. And it sounds like no, also to let it go so that it's it can... It's been a pleasure. So that we can see it. It's been a pleasure And actually, actually... You're right. It has been a collaboration. Eric's not only the film's producer, but we started working on the creative of it as well and, and fine-tuning the creative, taking a lot of things out that were redundant mm -hmm. and, and irrelevant to the story, adding things that had a little more impact and, and actually told more the nuance of the story, so Eric's been a, a, a tremendous creative partner as well Helping as to find the oh, yeah, it, as well as the, the producer thing, of the film. One of the things I, I felt strongly about is that you know the, the opportunity with this film 
is to introduce new audiences to what Woodstock was. I mean, I think that you conceived it as you were making it over a period of many years as something that, you know, baby boomers and people that were there, that generation, mm -hmm. you know, would be interested in. Two babies were and boomed at the festival. <laughs> yeah. no. Yes, indeed, we looked about that last There was weekend. a lot of booming going on. Yeah. At the festival. <laughs> and not, and not yeah. out of sight, I might add. But I, I always felt that the film had the opportunity to appeal to younger audiences, foreign right. audiences, people that weren't that familiar, maybe heard the word Woodstock, maybe knew, you know, like, okay, I know that you know, Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin performed at this concert in 1969. It's a long time ago now, 50 years. Yeah. And, um, you know, I just thought it was, we had the opportunity to do that. So we wanted to, um, I, I just wanted to make sure that it was accessible and, and that it was introductory to people. And one of the first things you, you and I talked about was the fact that the similarities between soci societal issues in 69 and today and we are how going through a lot of turmoil right now. Yeah. It was a very tumultuous time then. That's right. You know, people were pr protesting the war. Nixon was, you know, president, and there was like a lot of mistrust of government. Yeah. And now we have what's going on now with, um, you know, our our government and and people protesting things that are going on, which is, you know, there, there, yeah, there are definitely. I feel there are parallels yeah. to and, the and, time. And when. When I talk to a lot of young people and I read a lot of comments on, on Woodstock sites and our, and our Facebook page as well, people comment about, I wasn't there, I was two years old, but I wish I was there, I wasn't even born, but it, it, it was a one, I'm sure it was a wonderful time. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of these millennials that, that you brought up early on uh, who long for that time period. Oh, yeah. yeah. And and through our film, I think we, not so much as Wadley's, because Wadley's is a concert film, but our film talks about this feeling that the producers wanted to put out there from the very, very beginning. I mean, getting back to your Uncle John. Um, there's a very There's a very star of the poignant, movie. There's a very poignant part in our film uh, where he's talking about standing on stage and, and telling people to get away from the towers because right. he didn't want these 500-pound follow spots falling on top of him. And in the end, he says, at that point, we had a, we had a symbiotic relationship mm -hmm. with the crowd, and you just couldn't walk out on it. And when you watch it in the film, I mean, you're talking about goosebumps. I'm I'll, getting I'll goosebumps. I'll go on again. Thinking about it yeah. because he was, he was so... He, his his life could have been in danger. Right. I mean, he's standing on a on a stage, on scaffolding in the middle of a, a thunderstorm with lightning, holding a microphone. The, I mean, uh, his the only other person on that stage was was, was Wobbly, yep. shooting him from below. Yep. Um, both risking their lives. Yeah. Interestingly, I mean, I mean so I mean, yeah. for, for he was thinking more about the the crowd than himself. Right. Right. And I think a lot of people today long to have that that type of that feeling. That feeling. You know that there's somebody that's there that want to help them. Right. Or, We're on the same side. Yeah. Well, so. yeah, and to be really honest, um, I got involved with it. Um, you know, to to shine a light on on John's legacy, um, which I think had been um, sullied under not sullied. I just think it was under um, underreported. You know, um, right? Because he's not an attention grabber. He wasn't going. You know, um, doing a talk show circuit uh, or or mythologizing he's not, himself. He's not. But if he's in a room 
he is oh, he's, he's the so most charismatic old. human of life. Oh, he's, he's, he's just magical. So he deserves yeah. he deserves the he the, the, the stage do. and the legacy that you're he's now 80. finally shining on him. He's eighty years old and he just flew back from he's producing back to back art shows in Santa Fe, New Mexico right now. He does not stop. And um, he is coming to our screening at the Grammy Museum and will charm that audience like he does every other. Well, I'll see you him. Know, you will see him. He'll wear these you know, sunglasses this time. I, <laughs> I, I, I say a lot, and, and when I introduced the, the film at Bethel, I said that they were the finest production talent anywhere. And after I got to know them, I realized they were the finest people mm. as well. I love and, that, And yeah. they really, really are. They really I mean, are. almost, almost to a person. Almost, <laughs> almost to a person. There, yeah. and and Eric's right about John. I mean, you you go type in Woodstock and Google and hit image, and there's one image that keeps coming up, and you never see John's image there. Right. But but John and Joel and and uh, and John Roberts, Mel Lawrence, Stan Goldstein. I mean, these were wonderful people who did the nearly impossible, and and it's about time Eric and I realized that my dream with Eric's help of getting them the recognition right well telling the rest of the story as yeah. opposed to a curated version you realize, yeah. you realize they're in their early 20s well John was almost 30 yes. but a lot John, of them yes yeah. yeah. a lot yes. of them John was 30 when it happened <laughs> me too yeah. Yeah, a lot of them were in their 20s 23 24 years yeah. old and they they think back to when you were 24 a couple years 17. ago and uh, <laughs> and uh, do that yeah. I can't wait till I'm 23. <laughs> <laughs> about 10 more oh years? Yeah, yeah, about 10 more years. years. Yeah. Um, so, what's next, Mick? Now that, now that we've wrenched this film from your hands and put it out into the world, what, what, what's next? For me? Yeah. I'm going to go back to upstate New York with my lovely wife. and uh, She is lovely. Uh, I, I wish you could see her right now, everyone. Around those other great things. Do you have like you know? Do you have a? Um, uh, do you, is there are there other stories that you that you want to tell? You know, I was talking to Carmela about this earlier today. How do you? It's it's. How do you, top this? I mean, you're, it's you're taking you're taking one of the the most iconic happenings, of the 20th century, and you're telling the story about it. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. I mean, how do you it's how do you top that? I, and quite honestly, I was sitting on our front porch the other day smoking a, a cigar and trying to figure out, all right, what's the next project? And for uh, I couldn't come up with anything because I mean, the what, story what is good. just so wonderful. Does he need it to is. Clean it's magical. <laughs> I cleaned the basement before <laughs> we before we came. <laughs> I cleaned the basement. Your wife is coming up with a long list of things yeah. you could be working on right now. Yeah, she's yeah. like, oh, oh wait, there, there are some things yeah. that you Half can do next. Half of them are my daughter's house. <laughs> is an incredible multitasker every time I speak to him when he's back in you know in, in a something he's always like you know he's painting <laughs> really? he's grounding he's help. renovating can you renovate over. my guest room yes I can <laughs> I've already I've already done the saging <laughs> I'm just kind of looking forward to what you and, and Kristen um, yes. have in mind we do have an opportunity to work with uh, we haven't announced it and I'm not going to announce it here but um, so we'll tease it we'll so tease it you we'll can wonder we can't because mention we'll, any no, names can, so. no, we no, can, no no what we can tease though is that you know Mick has a treasure trove of 
you know, he worked on this for so many years, and a lot of people tell a lot of fascinating stories that can't fit into like an hour and 40 minute documentary. So we have ancillary material, mm -hmm. there's DVD extras, but there's also other material. And we would, we're, we're looking to create, you know, a community, a platform a where people like can um, share their own stories about what, what Woodstock means to them. And that we, you know, so it has kind of an ongoing life. And my first, my first job, I'm not trying to make it about me, but I have a little oh, no. story. Why not? Um, now, my first job out here, I was on a show called Treasure King. And the Treasure King, who like buys and sells treasures, memorabilia, or whatever, he helped build the, the, build the stages at Woodstock. Cool. He, and he's a charming And he's a charming, guy. amazing guy. What's his name? Richie. Richie Jackson? No. Smith? Jones? What? Richie Williams, I said. Lipschitz? It's Richie Williams. But so, yeah, so he'll become part of it. Yeah, I met. He's hiring somebody to build a stage. Georgie and I were at the Elton John Oscar party, and he was there. I grew up in a Christian Jewish He's a really colorful character. He's the best. He's the best. I feel terrible that I can't remember his tragic well, okay, so we have. But that's 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 it. that's what I'm looking forward to doing. I'm looking forward to you know, you and and Mitchie, Kristen. Richie Marcello. Okay. I, I don't think that uh, Richie Marcello it doesn't matter. But still, but no, still, but he, he he should become part of the no, like the, the, exactly. the future there's of it all. An, there's an opportunity. He has to, great stories as well, like you to all. To go beyond, you know, the there's an opportunity to go beyond, you know, the people that we've spoken to. And get other stories. Mm -hmm. and so I, I think there is an ongoing life. Well, there's half a million people stuff. that were there that you can talk to if they're still around. Not all are still around. <laughs> it has been 50 years. But uh, but yes. So thank you very much, Mick, for coming thank you. to this undisclosed location in Hollywood. Um, and <laughs> you'll never know. You'll never know. <laughs> And uh, sitting down and sharing your story with us, and and it really it has been a pleasure to collaborate with you. And uh, creating pleasure's Woodstock. been all mine. It I really has. look forward to continuing to collaborate with you on whatever the next steps of creating Woodstock are. And thank you, this is happening, listeners, for taking the time to listen to this thing. And goodbye in Bahasa. Um, I don't know. We should, As we say we in Bahasa, <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> We don't know any words. Cheerio, chat. Ciao. Anyway, thank you very much. Bye. 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 Bye.